Thank you, thank you. You know what? It's going to be 25 years this year of marriage. Yes. Finally, I am her favorite speaker. It happens. It happened. It happened. Man. Yeah, 25 years. You know what? It's so funny, though, is because we were actually in a small group uh, that she was talking about, the, the fact that classes and groups are starting up, uh, in a parenting, parenting group. And uh, we're co-leading it. We're, we thought, you know what? Hey, might as well. Might as well, after 25 years, we got something to say. I mean, we told them, don't have kids, but no one listened. No one listened. But anyways, we were there and at the Gonzaleses, and um, so Jennifer Gonzalez kicked off the group, and she's like, you know what? We're in a series called I Quit, which if you don't know, if you're brand new, if you're watching online, we are in a series called I Quit. And uh, she was like, you know what? Let's talk about the one thing you're going to quit as a parent this year. And instantly, my thought was, how about parenting? Can we just quit parenting? You know, but yes, uh, if you don't have kids that you don't know, and yeah, you know, you, you, yeah, take your time. Um, please take your time. But yeah, quit, uh, you can't quit parenting. You know why? Because it's like the mafia. You can never quit the mafia. You either die or you get killed, but you're never, you never quit as a parent, right? You're never going to make, yeah, that's how it happens. But the truth is that there are certain things that uh, you and I know that if we just quit doing as parents, just one thing, like one thing, you would not be the parents that, that you, your parents, you know what I'm saying? You would not be your, your parents if you just quit one thing. And I think it's really helpful to just go, you know what? We don't have to be perfect. We maybe, maybe just this year, we just need to quit one particular thing in life. And so uh, I want to encourage you that practice this year is, is so important. Because if we just quit, like we were talking about in the parenting group, we just quit the idea of like always having an answer or always giving our opinion to our kids, which I thought that's why we were here, you know? Uh, But if you quit, you just listen, it changes the game. So we've been talking about the idea of quitting. Uh, Last week, I talked about the God you need to quit believing in, okay? So I'm glad you guys are all here because I was like, no one's going to show up next time. Okay, but then I thought, you know what, uh, I was, in t- I was uh, sl- slated to do a talk on the job you need to quit, like this week it was that, and I thought, you know what, might as well just keep it going. I mean, we talk about the, the, the God that we need to quit, let's just talk about the Bible you need to quit reading. <laughs> so, I mean, initially when I proposed the plan, they were like, what are you doing? Uh, and I'm like, you know what, I think we need to talk about that. So today, good news, we're going to talk about the Bible you need to quit reading. Some of you, you're like, uh, I quit that a long time ago, so we're good. <laughs> we're good. We're good. My hope is not necessarily that you would quit reading the Bible. My goal really is quit reading a particular idea of the Bible or particular versions of the Bible or um, really reading it superficially. And so my goal at the end of this talk, hopefully, is that you would get a more, you'd be challenged and inspired to read and lean in more into the Bible. But that it means you have to understand, and let's just be honest about certain things that the Bible does. It, ju- it, it, just, it just does. So I'm going to show you a picture really quick, okay? I'm going to show you a picture of myself, okay? Don't worry, it's not a selfie, okay? But it's a picture of myself. Some of you have seen this. If you're, if you're on YouTube, you've seen it. Uh, if you haven't, uh, don't be shocked. Don't be alarmed. Okay, this is an actual picture. I did not dock it up or Photoshop it or anything. Let's show them the picture. Can we do that? All right. She goes, all right, this is the picture. Yes, yes, yes. I didn't, I didn't do anything with it. Uh, back, I want to bring back the goatee. What do you think? You're right? 
Okay, this was this, no, they're like, no, hard no, hard pass, okay. This is about 10 years ago, um, this, this, this is online, it's a image on a YouTube video, the front cover uh, of it, and uh, this, this came out after my book came out, I wrote a book called Ex-Muslim, uh, talking about my journey uh, of coming to faith in Jesus, and yeah, so this uh, picture uh, represents a YouTube video that was rich, actually pretty well done. Uh, I, I, it was well done because I've got a lot. If you Google me, you'll find all kinds of things. But this picture itself kind of talked about uh, how, um, how Naeem Fazl is a fraud because Naeem Fazl has convinced the U.S. government to give him um, refugee status and has fooled the American church. Okay. And I was like, uh, okay, now if those of you do not know, I do. I do have uh, a, an asylum, a reg- refugee status. I did come with, not even come with it. I got that based on my conversion. And, um, and now I'm legal. So just so you know, I'm legal, right? But this group was unique because it was a um, kind of a, a scholar, a Muslim scholar who took the Quran, but also the Bible, and discredited my story. And then took clips of other pastors who have interpreted the Bible a certain way to discredit my story. And if you don't know my story, it's kind of sci-fi. It's uh, Jesus showing up in my room. Okay, we can talk in details about that, or you can get the the book. (laughs) It's on Audible as well, okay? Uh, I did not read it, by the way. Anyway, so... um, but uh, good, it's, 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 it's interesting because after watching that, I was like, you know what? Who am I? <laughs> like, am I a fraud? What, why? Because they're using scripture. They're using other pastors to discredit me. Now, what's interesting about the Bible as we talk about it, let's just be honest. It's been used to discredit a lot of things, right? How about control, Anybody? It's been, it's been used to control certain things. I mean, you grew up with a certain version of the Bible. Depending on your denomination, depending on how, much, how often you spent time in church, you grew up with a version of the Bible. You did, you did. And so, so many of us kind of have an interesting relationship with it. For example, a research group called Barna uh, did a study and realized and found out that 71%, how many? 71% of people uh, believe that the Bible is the word of God. They believe in the word of God. 71% uh, of Christians believe that. Only 16% read the Bible <laughs> weekly, right? And you're like, I'm one of those. I, I, hey, why though, right? That's the question. Why though? Like, why is it 71% believe it's the word, like look, let's, uh, the word of God, like God's word, but then only 16% read it. And I think it's because, it's because there is this, uh, something that we don't want to admit is that there are, there's, these, there's, there's so many dichotomies in the scriptures. Like what I mean by that is that there's so many opposite things. Like the scripture talks about like, you know, lo- like loving, you know, people, loving your enemies, right? But in the old Testament, it goes, but you can kill them sometimes. You can kill them, right? And then you're like, oh, what? Then the Bible talks about freedom, right? Freedom is for, it's for freedom that Christ has set us free. But then you read some of the, the letters and you go, but slavery is okay. Because it happened. Like, what? There are opposites 
Like what, what how, 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 do we, how do we justify all of those things? Like it talks about peace, like having so much peace, but you can uh, go to war. Like what? Like even now in the, in the light of where we are in the world, there are people who go, uh, genocide is okay. It's okay. And you're like, no, it's not. No, it's not okay. And the same people will use the same Bible to justify either sides. And so it, it's always that. It's always that. So, so how, do we, how, do we, how do we figure out what this, what is it supposed to be? Like, what, what is the Bible actually? What is it? Several years ago, I was in a, uh, on, on um, the local station for NPR. And uh, I was asked to uh, talk, maybe a little bit debate, this Muslim uh, professor. And uh, it was just very stressful, okay? Uh, because I can barely read. You guys know that. And I'm like, oh, this is going to be tough. But she wanted to debate not um, Islam, which is the Muslim religion, uh, and Christianity. She really wanted to debate the Quran, which is the Muslim book, and the Bible, and the Bible. And so, but I wanted to turn the conversation. So let's not do that. Let's just debate or talk about the life of Muhammad and the life of Jesus. Let's just do that. Because I knew, I knew you go, you start debating the Bible and the Quran. I'm losing. The reason why I'm losing is because the Quran is, is a holy book. And if a religion, just like Islam, it's, got, it's like the second largest religion. That, that, that book is literally for them the word of God, which means, no, it is one book, not the Bible, which is Bible actually means a library of books. The word Bible itself means a collection of what? Books. It means that. And so I know that you can't like take one book and debate the whole what? library of books we're going to be in trouble but they want to do that why because we both called it the word of god because people 71 percent believe that the bible is the what word of god and so the problem with the word of god is that in the muslim story the word of god kind of makes sense because they believe that muhammad got the actual uh, quran like downloaded to him like it, the, the, the angel came and said, Ikra bismi rabbikal akram, which is Arabic for basically saying, write down exactly what I'm telling you. And he wrote it all down. And so they go, this is the Quran. And so the idea is it's a holy book. It's God's word. You can't even put it on the floor. You have to, in fact, do like washing and cleansing to actually hold it. Just the text is so sacred. The pages are so sacred. My mom, my mom would lose our, her mind if we were like, if the, if, the, if the Quran back home was like lowered, like, like it had to be always high, high up. It was never put on the floor. It was a big deal because it was the what? The word of God. And I'm like, okay, here's the problem. Christians, though, call the Bible the word of what? God as well. But it's not, right? Because it's a, it's, it's, it's a lot of words. And it's, it's, it's a library. And you can't put a library on top of a, a room. You know what I'm saying? It's a, it's a library. And I was like, you know what? In this debate, I'm going to lose. Because there's going to be so much errors. There's going to be so much um, um, I don't know, like just misinformation. There's so many translations of the Bible. You know, guys, you guys know that, right? 
There's so many translations of the Bible, and uh, the um, Quran does not have that. In fact, for years, for hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of years, it was forbidden to even translate the Quran into any other language than uh, Arabic. And the reason is, is that they believe it's the what? Word of God. It's the Word of God. And so what happens is that when you and I start thinking that way and taking the Bible and interpreting that as the same way like Muslims would do or other, uh, other religions would do, it's problematic because the Bible is a library and has so many contradictions and so many, um, so many um, yeah, I don't know, just errors. And you're like, Naeem, I can't believe you said that. I know, I know, because if you grew up in a certain faith or grew up in a Christian faith, there are two words that describes the Bible. If you go on websites of churches, they talk about what do we believe in the Bible? We believe that it's infallible and in, I can't even say this word, inerrant. That means it does not fail and has no errors whatsoever. Okay, and so when people go, go online, they go, what does this church believe? And if thou, those two words are not there, they're like, ah, these guys are liberals. All right, get them out. Okay. Okay. They're going to hell. Heretics. Because the Bible's always, always supposed to be infallible. And that word I can't say. So it's also always supposed to be without fail. It does not fail and has no, what? No errors. The problem is, uh, what do we do when there seems to be contrary, contrary, contrary uh, uh, writings, well, what, what do we do? Here's a couple of things we can do. Number one, we can do this. Uh, depending on where you grew up, you can, number one, start the first phrase, which is denial. Denial. So there are passages of the Bible where we're like, we just don't go there. <laughs> we just don't. We don't go there. Well, what about, no, we don't go there. We don't go there. That's tough to talk to people these days about the Bible because the people bring up stuff and you're like, ah, oh, we don't go there. We don't go there. What do you mean? Uh, we don't go there. It's a room in the house you don't go to. We haven't cleaned it up. Like it's not. Like you can't go in there. So we deny some things. And so you grew up with a version of the Bible that there are certain parts you just don't touch. Some of you like, like we just don't go there, man. The, what happens though is, is that then it moves to you growing up and then maybe reading it a little bit or hearing other passages and parts of it. And then you read it and you go, okay, this applies to me. This applies to me. This applies to me. And you believe it and believe it and believe it. And then something happens and your theology gets messed up, super messed up. Okay. It happened to me. Okay. It happened to me because I was like, I lost my mind in when it came to that because uh, it was not denial. It was like, I applied a promise of God. And I was like, this is, this is it. This is, this is, this is God's word for me. And this is it. That God will give me the desires of my heart. There was a passage. Okay. And in the scriptures, it's like, God will give you the desires of your heart. And I was like, I got this. I got this. And then discouragement hit. And I'll tell you this. I tell you the story because it's in super enduring. Ashley's already smiling because she knows exactly what this is. And she's like, are you going to tell us? Are you serious? Are you serious? So here's the story. You guys want to know? Yes. yes, you do. You said juicy. It's juicy. Okay. Remember, we've been going for 25 years. Still going. Okay. But you know what? It didn't, all, it didn't happen. It, it almost didn't happen. Here's why. Because she, okay. So what happened is we, we broke up several times. She dumped me several times. But anyways. <laughs> This one particular time, uh, we were like going good. It was all great. And she had gone on a mission trip, uh, uh, like six months on a, uh, a ship that was like doing like humanitarian work uh, all over. And it was great. Six months though. And so I call her. It was New Year's. I, I, don't, I forget the year it was. Uh, it was maybe 
uh, I don't know, 94. But it was New Year's. So I called her up and said, Happy New Year, da, da, da. And she goes, yeah, yeah. And we're, hey, by the way, we're done. I was like, what? She's like, we're done. I'm like, I'm sorry, what? I'm like, Happy New Year. Like, what? We're done. Like, hey, I'm, I'm, I think we should just stop this. I'm like, no. And then I said this. I said, no, I got a word from the Lord. <laughs> I literally said it. I did. I was pulling out all the guns. I was like, oh, no. I, I got the word from the Lord. And she said, you can take that word and shove it. And I was like, oh. it was over. My, 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 my life was like wrecked. I was like, I cannot believe it. Now, obviously, we got back together, you know, and she saw the, she found Jesus once again. <laughs> once again. But what's funny about that, it messed up my theology because I believe something for so long, and then it didn't happen. Some of you guys believe something for so long, you think it's the word of God, you think it's your word, it's, it's God's word to you, it doesn't happen. So it's not denial, you're not discouraged, now you all of a sudden have to deconstruct everything. And the truth is, for so many of us, the past couple of years, especially with COVID and the, all the political and social unrest, man, people have deconstructed. Like they're like, I don't know if I believe this anymore. Now, there's a good part of deconstruction and a bad one, right? A, a, a good one is you, you're supposed to, like, go in there and let's get an upgrade of your faith. Let's grow up, in a sense. Let's just get in there. But you have to deconstruct it, like, pull it apart, but you need to put it back together. It's like starting a house project, and it's like, it's never finished. It's just there. We started six, year, six years ago, and we just left it. And for some of us, faith has been like that. So the people have de deconstructed themselves. And the reason is here. The reason is because they're like, I used to believe this. I don't believe this anymore. I used to believe that God's word is whatever, whatever. And I don't believe this anymore. Now, some of us who didn't grow up in, in like a, in, um, in a traditional faith, you grew up and you got, you got the sense of the, is, is that the Bible is really disproven. Um, it's just disproven. It's, it's, an, it's an ancient document that, um, that is just really uh, has wisdom. Like if you're in college, like that's the, that's the prevailing um, vibe. Like, hey, it's an old document. Didn't really, I mean, it's all good stuff, but you know, it doesn't apply to my life. You can't really, it's disproven. So you have these disproven people and you have this, disc, the, this discouraged people. And what do you do? I think it lies into the fact of like this, this, this uh, obvious deal where we have 71% of people who believe that it's the word of God. I think it lies in the fact that we think it's the word of God. And it's so much more than that. You see, the Bible is a library that contains the word of God. So the Bible that you and I need to quit reading is the Bible that is the word of God. Because it was never meant to be. Friends, it was never, ever, ever meant to be. This library of books was meant to point to Jesus and preserve the story of God. It was supposed to preserve the story of God starting back, back in the day of the Jewish people and how they wrestled with God and how they figured out who God was because back in the day they thought he was Yahweh. So it moved. It's a journey. You see them progressing, getting better, better, better. God does not change. People have changed. There you go. Oh, oh, this is what's happening. This is wrong. This is what's happening. This is wrong. This is what's happening. This is what's wrong. And some of those stories are like factual. And some of those are, are myths. It doesn't matter. You and I know this, okay? And even Jesus did this. Jesus would say, let me tell you a parable, right? What do you, what's a parable? A made up what? 
story. He would make up stories to communicate a truth. He would, he would make up an untrue story, didn't happen, to communicate truth. That's why we know that you can communicate truth with a kind of an illustrated story. And so the Bible contains some of those illustrated stories as well. The point is not to go, hey, that never happened. The point is, what is it pointing to? It's the truth. What is it preserving? So the Bible you and I need to start reading is the Bible that's not the word of God. It points to Jesus and it preserves the story of God. John, he wrote this down. And let me read this to you. John starts off his, his book in this library and he starts off, okay? And he actually mimics Genesis. Genesis starts with, for extra points, how does it start? In the right. Now he just takes that same thing. He's like, you know what? This is a great start to my book. And he goes, I'm going to write this down. So he says, in the beginning, the word already existed. Is he talking about the Bible? No, he can't be talking about the Bible because the Bible didn't wasn't put together hundreds and hundreds of years later. He's writing, just writing his, 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 his thoughts. Okay. He goes, the word was with God and the word was God. He existed in the beginning with God. God created everything through who, what through him and nothing was created except through what him. He keeps talking about him. If the Bible, if the word of God is an it, if it's a text, it should be it. But here he's always referring him to a person. So he's like, and the word gave life to everything that was created and, and his life brought light to everyone, the light shines in the darkness and the darkness um, can never extinguish it. Now, if you're confused about like, okay, so what is he talking about? He just read a little bit more and I will jump to verse six and he says, and so, so, so the word became what? Became flesh and the word became flesh and made his home among us. He was full of un failing love and faithfulness. And we have seen his glory, the glory of the father's one and only what son. So who is the word of God? The son, Jesus, he is the word of God. And so when people want to, if people, friends go, Oh, let's debate the Bible. The word of God is the Bible's no, no, let's debate Jesus. It's Jesus. And then you can debate whatever. It's never this library of books versus your, your, your Gita, which is a Hindu religion's book, or the Quran or whatever else. It's a library of books, my friend. It points and preserves to Jesus. And see, that's why I think 16% only read the Bible, because you've always read it as it's supposed to be the word of God, but it doesn't speak to me. It's not supposed to be the word of God. It has the word of God. And you and I have to lean in, dig deep, search and look and find what God is trying to say to you. Here's uh, Jesus, right? He, he says this, John 5, he says, you, 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 he's talking to his particular groups of people, religious people. He says, you, you search the what? Script, search the what? But you, and you think you, they will give you eternal life. But the scriptures, what? They point to what? The scriptures point to me. Like the, 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 the scriptures that you are reading, you need to quit reading. He's basically telling them is the scriptures that don't what point to me. 
If they don't point to me, then you need to quit reading those. But the, the scriptures, let me just tell you, they, they point to me. And yet, and yet you refuse to come to me to receive this life. Another translation, right? Let me read you this uh, translation. Same passage translation. And that's why translations are okay. That's why they're okay. This is a paraphrased version of it, okay? That means this guy, uh, um, I believe it's Eugene Peterson. He, he, he kinda, he, it's, he's, a, he's a British guy. He wrote it in his language and his words, okay? Let me show it to you. It's, it's John 5, same, and it's called the Message Translation, which is really funny because uh, it says right there, you see it, MSG, which is hilarious because it makes everything good. That's, that's the Bible. No, okay, okay. It doesn't actually, it gives you gas. Okay, so, so uh, John 5, he says the same thing. He says, you have your heads in your Bibles constantly, but you, and you think you'll find eternal life there, but you miss the forest for the trees. These scriptures are all about what? Me. And here I am standing right before you, and you aren't willing to receive uh, from me the life you say you want. You want. Like, uh, so... Jesus is like, you're, 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 you're missing, you're missing all of this. You're missing, you're missing this whole thing. The issue, friends, is this, um, is this, uh, the way we interpret the Bible. You see, you, if you grew up in a particular denomination, you grew up with a certain way you interpret the Bible. Every um, denomination, every um, translation interprets the Bible, they, because the Bible was not just 66 books, it's also written in three different languages. And so it's now translated, and none of them, none of those languages was what? English. None of it. Okay, so it's like, what? Some of you guys are like, are you? Are, no way. My grandma wrote this. No, 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 she didn't. She didn't. No, no, no. The Bible was not invented by America. Like, that's not, that's not how it works, guys. No, this is, this is ancient text here. And so you can't just read, take ancient text and go, oh, it's all like literal. You can't literally take all of this. You can't do that. I mean, it's, you, you can't. And back in the day, in college, I used to be like, you know what? God, just speak to me. And there were words like, I mean, there, there, there are stories of like, if you actually did the literal stuff, you'd be dead. Like, don't do this. Like you can't take the book of Leviticus or the book of Deuteronomy literally. And so you have to interpret this based on culture, based on context. And that's how you do it. And you have to actually learn to, friends, not just read the Bible, but to digest it, search it, look at it, and study it. Study it. We did, um, we started a podcast several years ago. Uh, Pastor Kristen leads that podcast. We have authors and, um, and speakers and pastors on it. And recently we had a, um, a scholar on it who wrote a book called uh, Asking Better Questions of the Bible. He, his name is Marty Solomon. Highly recommend him. Uh, but he goes into the Hebrew, especially in the Old Testament, just goes into it and talks about how to understand some of the writings because um, we, we throw away the entire Bible if we don't understand why it seems like there are errors and some of them are but there is a constant flow because they're all preserving the story of God and they're always pointing to Jesus and the only way you get to that is to dig deep into it you don't just read it here and there and so I highly recommend this podcast in fact 
Ashley and Kristen did a um, session on how to read the Bible, and that's a really good one. And so I don't want you to, I want you to quit reading the Bible. That's the quote unquote word of God. I want you to read the Bible and dig deep into the Bible that has the word of God. Because when you search the word of God for yourself through the writings that we've been given and also God's spirit, it changes you. I'm going to read you a passage of scripture. Okay. This is in Hebrews. In Hebrews. And for those of you who grew up in the Bible, you kind of maybe even know this. If you love the Bible, this is my Bible, this is my Bible. You absolutely love this passage, okay? Because it talks about how the Bible is, um, is sharper than a two-edged, anybody? Sword. You know that. It's the Bible is sharper than two-edged sword. So let me read you in context for what it actually says. You're like, no, Naeem, I don't, I don't want to hear it. <laughs> Can I just read you what it actually says? Okay, here's what it says in Hebrews. It starts off, he says, and for the word of God is what? Living and active and sharper than any two-edged sword, even penetrating as far as division of soul and spirit. That means in in both uh, joints and marrows and is able to judge in the thoughts and the intentions of the heart. You're like, yes, it does. It gets in there, man. It tells you, it tells you here. It's a scalpel. It goes in and goes, Hey, 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 heart surgery. Okay. Okay. Stop doing that. You're getting into like the word of God does this. That's why people are like, yes, name. That's why people got to read the word of God. You got to read the word of God, but let me just keep on reading. And it says, and there is no creature hidden from, I'm sorry, what? His sight. No, no, no. It's sight. We're talking about the Bible here. I don't know what Hebrew guys writing. It's like, no, I thought it was the Bible. What's he talking about? He all of a sudden changed it. He was like, uh, it, it's sharper than any two-edged sword, da, 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 da. And there's no creature hidden from his sight. But all things are open and laid bare to the eyes of him. Who, must, who we must answer to. Like, what? Him? This whole time, for some of you, you're like, uh, I thought he was talking about the Bible. Who's he talking about? Jesus. Because who's the word of God? Jesus. Because who everything was made through? Jesus. And what's he saying? He says, Jesus will get in there. And his words and his thoughts. And when his, his like, when you, you know when you get like convicted of something when you feel like God's saying something to you and saying, Hey, you should probably not do that. Like that's a bad idea. Let's stop doing this. You know, when you get a, like a holy, like a holy hunch, you know what I'm saying? Like a holy, like, oh, I should probably, probably shouldn't do that. That's the word of God saying, I know you. And it's going to break your heart. This relationship is going to mess you up for a lot of years. Don't do it. Hey, trust me with this. Trust me with this. Just go with this process. I'm telling you, it's going to work out. Um, I'm telling you, just obey. Just do it. Just do it. What is that? That is the word of God, Jesus, spirit talking to you saying, hey, hey, hey. When, when, and when you're trying to figure out, navigate conversations that are so hard at work and God, and you feel a, 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 a prompting, a feel of something, you know, and a thought goes through your head and you're like, oh my gosh, I'm, I'm definitely not this smart, but this is a good idea. Ooh, you know what that is? That is the word of God. Because nothing is hidden from his sight. And he goes through. Like sometimes, have you ever had this moment where you're talking to someone and someone says something to you? And you're like, how did they know that? 
It cuts deep in. They're like, how did you know I was feeling this? You know why? Because it's the what? It's, it's the word of God. It's the word of God. So what if, if you stop reading the, 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 the word of God, the Bible, and then you begin looking and searching and asking, God, with this library, the Bible, when I walk into it, what do you want me to see? What do you want me to find? How, what, what book, what thing will speak to me? What do you, what do you want to communicate? What do you, it's like you can't do the Instagram Bibles deal. Like, hey, I just saw a post that was great. No, 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 no. No, no, you go into it. You, the library, you get into it. You go, okay, now I see. Now I see. Because I'll tell you what, when you start seeing and walking in and staying there a little bit, I'll tell you what's not going to happen. You're not going to deny some things because you're not trying to prove the Bible is without error. You're not trying to prove anything. You're trying to learn the story of God. Because I'll tell you one thing that the Bible does without fail and without error is that it points to Jesus because he said it and points to the story of God. And it does something to our hearts and minds that no other text can do. But you don't read this thing. You kind of, you kind of have to meditate on it. You kind of have to search it. It's hard to read, but it's not disproven. It's, it's not irrelevant. It's extremely relevant, but it's the room you got to go into and stay there for a minute. And for a month you go, I'm just going to read parts of this. I'm going to check out this Bible. Uh, this, this, sorry, I'm going to check out this book. This is by Luke. Okay, I'm going to read it. Put that back. Let's put it on this. Okay, how does this connect to this, to this, this, this? Know that you are doing that. And then you'll have a richer understanding and respect of the Bible. And when someone wants to debate, you're like, I can't do that. Because it's, uh, you're, you're trying to debate a book with a what? Library. And that's not how it works. But you can't debate the life of Jesus and whoever else out there. You can, you can do that. I'm going to end with this. I'm going to read you a passage. And it's so powerful where, where there are certain parts of the, scripture, the scriptures that are so filled with just, like when God did speak and Jesus did say something and, and when it's written down, there's so much power to it. So uh, Mahatma Gandhi, um, have you, anybody heard of him? Okay, most people have, okay. Uh, Hindu guy, and he was known for amissa, which is, I'm oh, sorry, ahimsa. Ahimsa is this practice of non-violence. Yes, non-violence. And so Gandhi was famously, like, he became that guy who started these uh, civil rights for his, uh, his world um, movements, and they were all based on non-violence. If you go and read anything about Gandhi, the world knows about Gandhi, the idea that he got about nonviolence, like he did a nonviolence, but he was standing up for injustice. That hole he got from the Sermon of the Mount of Jesus recorded in Matthew. He talks about it in length, in length. So if you read anything about it, he was very open that that sermon, those words of Jesus changed his life. And he kept on referring to them again and again and again and again. And he and he embraced this idea of nonviolence because there on that sermon, Jesus talks about turning the other cheek. 
Jesus talks about loving your neighbors. Jesus talks about this idea that would, that if you in fact practiced it, it would change your life. And this Hindu guy, this Hindu guy made that his life statement and it changed him. And he was, he, he will forever be known as the guy, the nonviolence guy. And he credits it back every time to Jesus' teachings. And people would say, he, he said, uh, he, someone gave him a Bible uh, in, when he was in London and uh, he began reading it and reading it. He said, he talks about it, reading the Old Testament and he was confused about it. And then, and then he started reading the Old New Testament and the words of Jesus, he said, changed his life. I just want you to know, I don't want you to quit the Bible. I want you to, I want you to start living it out. The magic is not by you saying it. The magic happens when you do it. So here's a last passage of scripture I, that I, I love. It's Psalms 119. It's one that I, I found in college and I, I absolutely love it. And it says this, it says, your word, your word I have hidden in my heart that I may not sin against you. And for some reason, I don't know what you want to call it. Maybe it's superstitious. I don't know whatever it is. But for me, I was like, you know, if I just keep God's word in my heart, I will not sin against him. Like I won't go off the path. And this word, this, your word I've hidden in my heart is not just the scriptures, but it is the word is, whoa, who? Jesus. If I'm, if I just stay close and stand close to Jesus, I don't have to worry about all the other things that I need to stop doing. All I got to do is I've got to hide him in me and I'm good. I'm good. So maybe, maybe the striving of like, I got to be a better Christian. I got to be a better this. I got to be a better that. Maybe all it is, is just, why don't you just hide him in, use the scriptures to learn more. Stop reading the Bible as the word of God. Start walking into it because it's a library. Start leaning in, chewing on it, meditating. And it might just change your life. In fact, I know it will change your life. So I want to pray for us. Can I do that? Is that cool? All right, let's stand together. Uh, Lord God, we thank you. Thank you so much for this conversation, knowing God that so many of us, we find it hard to uh, defend, in a sense, the Bible. And God, we know that you don't need any defense. You are the defender. Um, you don't need any defense. You don't need any of that. And the Bible is just the stories about you that point and preserve your, your narrative. And so God, I pray that you would just break us from the idea of having to defend the faith. And God, allow us to uh, experience you in a new way where we find ourselves making the time to walk into this library and begin asking God, what are you saying? What does this look like? God, I pray that this conversation would lead to a hunger for so many of us, not trying to prove anything, but God, move us to a passion and a longing to know um, your word, to dig deep into it and never, never, ever get to a point where we go, we figured it out. We know what it is. We know what it is. But God, we always continue to ask more and more questions. God, I thank you for that. 
God, I pray that as we respond today, some of us might um, go to the cross and maybe you're speaking to us. It's your word for us today to go to the cross. Maybe it's to go receive communion. Maybe it's to light a candle for someone. God, you speak to us and your words are precious. And Jesus, you are precious. So for today, whoever who is not hidden the word in their hearts, God, I pray that today they would say, Jesus, I give you my life. Would you come and hide yourself in me? Would you come? Would you come? Would you take over my life? I've never crossed the line of faith, and today I'm doing that. Today I'm saying, Jesus, I give you my life. You are the word of God. Where else can we go? You have the words of life, God. Do we thank you for that? God, I pray as we sing, as we respond, we would respond to you. In your name we pray. Amen.